Welcome to the Mindfulness Meditation Podcast presented by the Rubin Museum of Art. We are a museum in Chelsea, New York City that connects visitors to the art and ideas of the Himalayas and serves as a space for reflection and personal transformation. I'm your host, Dawn Eshelman. Every Monday we present a meditation session inspired by a different artwork from the Rubin Museum's collection and led by a prominent meditation teacher from the New York area. This podcast is a recording of our weekly practice, currently held virtually. In the description for each episode, you will find information about the theme for that week's session, including an image of the related artwork. Our Mindfulness Meditation Podcast is presented in partnership with Sharon Salzberg and teachers from the New York Insight Meditation Center, the Interdependence Project, and Parabola Magazine. And now, please enjoy your practice. Welcome. It's great to be here with you here today uh, for our weekly mindfulness meditation session coming to you from the Rubin Museum of Art, a museum of Himalayan art and ideas here in New York City. And we're so glad to have all of you join us for this session of mindfulness meditation where we combine art and meditation online. We're talking about change this month um, and how it relates to this uh, Buddhist concept of impermanence and just examining our relationship to change. And we'll get into that in just a moment when we look at our artwork together. And also when we bring our teacher in, Tracy Cochran, who's here with us today. Yes, we'll take a look at a work of art from our collection. We'll hear a brief talk from our wonderful teacher, and then we'll sit together for 15 or 20 minutes. So always great to see where you're joining us from today. So we have uh, the stretches of the country represented here. So from Staten Island to San Francisco. Welcome everyone. So let's take a look at the art that we are uh, focusing on today. We are talking about change. And before we go into um, a deep look here, also just want to think about this, this concept of change. What is our relationship to it? When are we excited about change? And when are we terrified? also want to acknowledge today is the Jewish holiday of Yom Kippur. So that day to reflect and atone and ask for forgiveness and let go in a way to move forward and the change that's involved in that, in, in the what is required of oneself to, to reflect and ask for that forgiveness and be responsible and move on. Um, also here we are in this moment of fall right, where we're toggling back and forth a little bit from these summer temperatures into the more brisk ones, and at least here in this hemisphere. And then the sense of, of school and whatever its form, sort of beginning a different kind of, of year. So the Buddha that we're looking at here is Maitreya. This is the Buddha of the future. We brought this to you today as this kind of one type of framework of looking at change, looking at the future, looking at what is possible. And this is a really interesting object because it, we know that this was made after models designed by the Mongolian sculptor Zanzibar from uh, 1635 until 1723 was his, his life. And it's just really interesting to note that for many objects in our collection, 
we don't have a specific artist name or often these objects are made by um, artists who are not named or recognized in the same way that we here in the West tend to. So um, it's just interesting to be able to pinpoint that particular person. And this particular Buddha, Maitreya, the Buddha of the future, is, is really special for um, worship among the Mongols and this promise of a, this new age coming in that this Buddha represents was really appealing, especially to the Mongols, because they were kind of linking their aspirations to reestablish their glory days, the Mongol Empire, with this, this Buddha of the future. So here in this context, he's bringing this hope and faith for a better future. And let's take a look at just the, the beauty of this particular object. There's a really subtle and beautiful soft sleekness of this form and a pose that is very graceful and accentuated by this kind of how the hem of this cloth at the bottom there uh, clings and then kind of juts out really accentuating this slight tilt in the hips and uh, a beautiful long line of a cord and sash and even just delicate details uh, like the print on uh, the cloth and a if you can see over this left shoulder this beautiful little antelope skin draped over his left shoulder here so this is a sculpture that again follows Zanzibar's very kind of Nepalese inspired composition so lots of soft sleekness of the form uh, kind of interrupted by these asymmetrical linear patterns so so much grace and hope in the sculpture here. And then of course, at the very top, we have this kind of recognizable feature that tells us this is Maitreya. And that is that in his fabulous hairdo right up there, there is a stupa. And that really signifies that this is Maitreya. Uh, so we will talk about this idea of change and our relationship to it with our teacher today, Tracy Cochran. She is the editorial director of Parabola, a quarterly magazine that for 40 years has drawn upon the world's culture and wisdom traditions to explore the questions that all humans share. And she teaches mindfulness meditation, mindful writing at New York Insight and throughout the New York area. And it is a delight always to have her. You can learn more about her and her work at tracycochran.org. Tracy. Are you there? Yes, I'm here. I had to get, I had to get promoted. Yes. <laughs> You'll to always me. be promoted, Tracy, yes. in this program. Yes. Thanks so much, Tracy. It's so lovely to see you amidst your beautiful trees in the background there. Yes. Um, thanks for being with us. Well, I'm delighted to be here, and I'm even happy in a way that that little bit of anxiety just happened um, when I didn't have permission to enter, because this is exactly what life is like. And we can look at this beautiful statue and wonder what it would feel like to look forward to the future because we may be more used to fearing the future, to fearing 
the unknown. So I wanted to offer you today an approach that I use. And I wanted to begin by fully acknowledging that today is Yom Kippur, the Jewish Day of Atonement. And it touches me very deeply to remember that the word atonement comes from a root that means at one, to be at one. What do we need to let go of to be at one? So I found a quote from a wonderful indigenous elder from this continent, Black Elk, who was Ogallala Sioux. And the quote, which some of my friends heard me say last night, is that the first piece, the first piece we can know, which is the most important, is that we are one. The universe is one. And at the center of this oneness and all its powers, there's a great spirit. And this center exists in us and in everything. In other words, it's discovering that we belong to life, that we are at home here. And you might think, well, that's well and good for Black Elk because he was gifted in many ways, including in a way of being at one with nature, a way that we might feel we've lost. So I checked with the National Forest Service I bet you weren't expecting to hear that. But I checked and brushed up on what to do if you feel lost in the woods. And I'm going to adapt the advice from the National Forest Service, which uses the word stop, S-T-O-P. So S means literally to stop and sit down the way we're sitting right now together. Stop and sit down. Don't panic and just bolt off, including in your thinking, thinking about the future and the election and all the things that might befall you personally, nationally, globally. Just stop and sit down. And then the second letter, T, the Forest Service would say think. And what they mean by think is down and check in. And first of all, make sure, are you tired? Is something injured? Are you a little bit sick? You must heal as much as possible or things will get worse, especially if you're in the forest. 
and you're not quite sure what's coming next. So the most important thing to do is to take care. First step. And then the O is to observe. And that's what we do when we meditate. We observe inside and outside with kindness and without judgment. And we notice what's supporting us. If you were actually in a forest, you would notice the shelter of a good tree or fresh water or berries that you recognized and knew were safe to eat. You just observe. And the P, the last letter, the Forest Service would say plan, which means if you really lost, stay put. Unless you have a very good reason to move. But I would extend that to mean path, to realize that you have company, that even though you're sitting at home today and we're in all different places, we share something. We're on the same path and the path is very concrete. We wish to be more present, more at one atoned. And the medieval root even sounded like a tune, to be attuned, to be with life and not alone, not afraid, to open, to open, not to know exactly what will come next but to be open to surprise that something unexpected may yet come. There's an ancient legend that the Buddha's mother, when the Buddha went off to the forest to seek enlightenment, nobody knew what would happen, including him. And while she waited, there was grief, there was fear, there were all kinds of feelings. And she met that by slowly and patiently weaving. It's a little bit like the Odyssey and Penelope. She wove a beautiful cloak for the Buddha, taking pains to grow the cotton and to attend to every detail of its production as a kind of meditation. She didn't know if he would ever come back, but she took care. And in the end, he did. And there were all these unexpected events where he personally couldn't receive the cloak, but someone else did who made a wonderful awning of it. And Marvelous long story short, it was saved in a cave for Maitreya Buddha, for not her son, but for someone yet to come. She could not have known this, but she lived in a way not unlike Black Elk during this time, a way that took care they brought the attention home 
brought it close. And if this seems like something that can only be done in the best of times, I really am, I want to remind you that a great being named Eddie Hillisum said time and again, I've had to learn the spaciousness of my own heart. And time and again, I reclaimed that space. It was something that was done right in place. And what's touching about this is that the first time she was reminded of this was in a transit camp. And she was reminded again in a concentration camp. So change, it's something we long for. We feel so confined, many of us. And the atmosphere is just impregnated with the unknown. What will come? We long for change, we fear change. But one way to be with change is with an aspiration to be at one. And we do that by sitting down and opening up to the whole of ourselves, the oneness of ourselves, our thinking, our heart, our body. That's where it begins. So let's practice this together. We take a comfortable seat. And if you're comfortable with your eyes closed, let them close. Because I'll give instructions so you won't be alone. But it helps to bring the attention home to your own experience. Without any judgment, without any thinking, just notice how it feels to be here today. And notice how it feels to be completely welcome, just like this, without any straining or striving for a different state. Just this, just now. And notice that this attention softens you. It begins to open the body. And you'll see that you'll start thinking, this is perfectly natural. It's what brains do. 
And when you get taken by a thought, just notice that you can gently come home again to the experience of being in a body, breathing. Notice that the sensation of being present in a body isn't separate from an awareness that isn't thinking, but seeing and receiving. Notice that there's a stillness that's present that isn't an absence, it's full of life. Inside and outside, we're alive. how it feels to relax, to let go, and be received by an attention that doesn't judge, that's kind.
when you get lost, just notice this and come home, back to sensation, back to the body, back to a presence that sees without judgment. Noticing that coming home to sensation doesn't close us off, it opens us. It opens us to life. We remember that we're supported and nourished by air and impressions and forces of all kinds. We're not alone. Notice that no matter what comes up, a painful thought, a physical pain, a doubt, a tension, everything can be allowed, can be met by an attention that doesn't judge or comment. 
that sees and accepts Noticing how it feels to relax and open and be at one with life. Completely acceptable. Completely forgiven. Noticing that when you come home to sensation, you open to a presence inside and outside that is shared. We share it. 
noticing how it feels to be full of life and part of life. not alone. Thank you. It's remarkable that even though we're on the screen and we're all different places, we can still feel um, a presence and a way of being together that's very real.
I think it's important to not rush to forgive. To the, the beautiful thing about this practice and this attention that we're invited to connect with this presence that doesn't judge is that we can bring it to ourselves, even stories that we might judge to be outdated or pain that we might have or hurt that we have or rage that we have. And just, just like the Forest Service said, don't rush into doing something, just stay present, just bring attention to it and let the story be seen or let the pain be seen or let the anger be seen. And in time, it will let go or transform or in the insight will appear on its own, in its own time. I've, I've experienced this to be true. So we don't have to worry about knowing when it's time. It will be time when it's time. So um, that's what I, you know, just look at that story with interest, with fresh interest and with kind eyes. And a new story will begin to be born. Um, again, the beauty of the practice is that it, it begins to allow us to see that we all get triggered, but that we are more than these patterns that begin to play out when we get triggered, that we're also an attention that sees without judgment. So you feel yourself beginning to get triggered, you're frightened or some ancient hurt comes up and the patterning begins. My, this is gonna sound maybe counterintuitive, but my guidance to you is refuse to reject that pattern that begins to play out. Refuse to reject or judge that aspect of yourself that's hurt or wounded. Because as you grant it, this kind attention, it will settle down and reveal itself to you. It's deeper truth. I found this to be true, that you can't go wrong if you treat yourself like a wounded child who needs love and understanding and non-judgmental awareness.
Thank you. I love being here. Yeah. Yes, I'll be back. Thank you, everybody. Take good care. Take good care of yourselves. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you, Tracy. <laughs> yeah. So it's really beautiful to feel that space that is created after we meditate together, even here online. That concludes this week's practice. If you would like to support the Rubin and this meditation series, we invite you to become a member of the Rubin. Thank you for listening. Have a mindful day. <laughs>